Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. These messages accompany Discovering the Character of God, a 14-week Bible study I wrote on the attributes of God, which is available on Amazon. I pray this message will encourage you as you grow in your understanding of God's character. So time is an interesting concept, isn't it? We don't really stop to think about time until we take the time to think about time, but it, uh, it governs everything we do. It, it dictates what we do throughout the day, where we go, what time we meet with a certain person, what time we eat. We, we have to submit to time. We can't be checked out on time. We all are ruled and governed, governed by it. Uh, my son did a, a unit last spring on space, and he was looking at all the different planets. And my mind was blown that while on Earth we have a 24-hour cycle, in, on other planets they have a totally different cycle. And in, uh, I learned on Mercury, a, a full like a, a day is 1,408 hours. That's how long it takes for it to rotate once. And in, on Venus, it's 5,832 hours. So a day looks totally different there than, than here. Those kinds of things totally blow my mind. And so I was thinking this week about God being eternal. And honestly, at the beginning, I thought, I, I don't even know what to say. I just wanted to say, God's eternal. We don't get it. You're dismissed. Go pray about that. <laughs> and, and so as I sat with it a little bit more, although we can't get our heads around it, I feel like God wants us to know this about him. So if he wants us to know about this, about him, then he's going to give us a way for us to, in some way, shape, or form, understand it in our limited ability to understand. And his eternal nature flows out of his immutability that we talked about last week, the fact that he never changes, and then it's also a part of his infinitude. If you've heard about, you know, God being infinite, it's all connected. All these attributes are connected. One flows into the next, and so it's interesting to see how all of these kind of meld together. So this morning, I want to focus on a couple things today. I want to talk first about the fact that God is the eternal and the great I am. We hear that God is the I am, but I don't think we take time to understand really what that means. And then the second part, I want to talk about what it means to live with an eternal perspective. Because we hear that sometimes, and what does that really mean? Because I feel like that's really where we'll get maybe some application about this first with, with the eternal nature. So you probably have heard about God being I am, right? That's, that's probably not an unfamiliar concept to you. But have you thought about really what the significance is? I know that for me, it's something I have to revisit because it's not something that I think about all the time. But it has everything to do with God's eternal nature. So we've stated from the beginning on our first week on the Trinity that God has eternally existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there's not been a time when they have not existed. It's not like Jesus just came on the scene in the New Testament and at Pentecost the Holy Spirit came. They have all eternally existed as the Trinity from eternity past. So when God is claiming to be the I Am, he proves, he proves this. 
So we first hear the concept of God being the I am in the burning bush with Moses. You may remember that Moses was out in the wilderness and God came to him through the burning bush. So this is when God reveals himself as, as the I am. So turn with me to Exodus 3 and we're going to look at this. This is the passage where Moses has fled Egypt and he has been out in the wilderness for 40 years. And God comes to him and tells him what this divine commission is for him. He's commissioning him to go back to, to help remove the, the, the um, Israelites out of slavery. So in verse 13 of chapter 3 in Exodus, it says, then, God, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. I am, in this context, reveals much about God. He is telling us that he is, through, through these words, more than just present tense I am. It is that he is self-existent and he is self-sufficient. He exists outside of, of the space that we understand. He's the creator and the sustainer of all that exists. He's telling us also that he is immutable in his character and in his being. He's proving here that he is eternal. He is a continual present existence. He has a continual present existence. So, so much comes out of this word that we don't understand from the Hebrew, but this is where the, they, the, the word Yahweh comes out of this word, and you have heard the word Yahweh. Which, anytime in your Bible you see capital L-O-R-D, Lord, all caps, that is Yahweh, that is I am. And so we have, to, we have to see that this name for God, the I am, is really significant. It, it, was, it was also very significant to them. They understood this. So God is claiming he is the eternal, constant God. Now when Jesus comes on the scene, what happens is, he claims to be the same thing. And this blows everybody up. So turn with me to John 8, and we'll see when, God, when Jesus makes this same claim. Because the Jews are also trying to figure out who this guy is who's making all these claims. And then he just drops a bomb. So look with me in John 8. Starting in verse 53, they say, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was, and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So here is Jesus claiming deity. He is claiming to be the I am that God had proclaimed, the same God proclaimed to Moses in the burning bush. Now the Levitical law demanded that if anybody were to even to blaspheme God's name or to say that they were equal with God, they would be stoned. So that is why they are saying, they understood exactly what he was saying. And they were saying, well, we're going to kill you. You cannot say that. But he had every authority and right to say that because he was truly God. They had a violent response because they knew very clearly what he was saying. So I want you to understand the significance of the I am statement. And we could go into, we could spend the whole morning just talking about I am. But the I am really helps us understand that God exists in present tense for all time. He sees everything as present. We see everything in time, in a linear form, but time exists in him. I know we're all trying to figure out how that is. I, I, don't ha- I can't explain it perfectly, but we can, we can understand that God is outside of what we see as time, always existing as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So time is always present for him. There's no yesterday and there's no tomorrow. He sees all events from eternity past, today, and in the future at one time. C.S. Lewis helps us with um, an illustration. He says, if you picture time as a straight line along which we have to travel, then you must picture God as the whole page on which the line is drawn. We come to the parts of the line one by one. We have to leave A behind before we get to B, and we cannot reach C until we leave B, B behind. God from above or outside or all around contains the whole line and sees it all. All the days are now. For him. So I'm envisioning even like the, a butcher block paper that just goes on and on and on and on and on. And here we have a little line on here, and that's time for us. So God exists on all of this, and we are right here. So have you ever, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but have you ever um, looked up your address on a Google map, and you know there's the plus and the minus sign, and so you minus out, you know, to see you know, it gives you a bigger vision, and then it gives you a bigger vision. So it goes from your neighborhood, and then it goes, and maybe you can see a little bit more of Houston. And then you keep going further out, and it's bigger vision of Houston. And then all of a sudden, you're in Texas. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing the United States. And then it's North America. And you keep going out, and then there's a satellite all the way out. That's kind of how I think about this. Because I think, when I, when I see that, I feel like an ant. I don't even feel like, I feel like a a grain of sand in the whole big picture of who God is. And so he is existing outside of time and space. And so he is the creator and sustainer of the universe, holding all the planets together. and, And here we are. And I feel really insignificant. But God says we're significant. He wants a relationship with us. My, my, I'm a tiny little grain of sand in this whole spectrum of eternity and, and existing in time that God has ordained. And so how do we, moving to more of an application standpoint, how do we live with this eternal perspective? Because we can't just walk around being like, God's eternal, this is so crazy. I mean, that doesn't help us all the time. Sometimes we need to be just in awe of God existing like that, but what does that do in the way that we see life today? 
I think a lot of it is summed up in what Colossians says, Colossians 3, 2 and 3. Set your minds, or hearts, on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. And when they're saying you died, that means the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creature in Christ. You are justified and declared righteous, that union with Christ. That whole idea of setting your mind or heart on things above in the Greek means to look for, to seek out, to try to obtain, to desire to possess or strive for. So we're looking beyond all of this that bogs us down every day. And ladies, we are bogged a lot, aren't we? We get pulled down, fixated on the next thing, and we sometimes forget to look up and see, God, what, what do you have to say about all this? So there's, there's five things that I want to just highlight about how we can have more of a, an eternal perspective personally. The first thing is understanding that this, this isn't all there is. This is not all there is, and this is not the best it's going to be. We understand that to a degree, but we forget it. We are forgetful. We, we do sometimes think this is all there is, and this is the best it's going to be. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has set eternity on our hearts, and that means everybody. Everybody knows in some way, shape, or form that this, that this world is going to end. There's going to be something beyond and in every human soul is a God-given awareness that there is something more than this transient world. Tozer, A.W. Tozer said, To be made for eternity and forced to dwell in time is for mankind a tragedy of human proportions. All in us cries for life and permanence, and everything around us reminds us of mortality and change. And so when we feel that tension that life is hard, we stop, we have to stop and think, we're not made for this world. We're made for life with God. And so we can look ahead to that, but we can be, we can, we can ask the Lord for his perspective on the present because guess what? For as long as we have breath, we have purpose in this life. He's got something for us to do. We were all uh, watching the Astros game um, on Saturday night and I was sitting uh, in a chair next to my mother-in-law. She was on a couch, and we were all, I mean, we were winning big. Everybody was great, and she got up to go do something, and I turned around, and she had fallen, and just immediately, she just broke her hip right there, right next to me, just right there. And it's interesting how those kind of events just, it's like a, it's like a splash of water in your face because all of a sudden we see the brokenness of our, our bodies, we see just things totally change. Suddenly we're calling an ambulance to get her to a hospital because she's in terrible pain, as you can imagine. And that's, that's where we feel that tension. And all of a sudden we realize we're, we're all at one point going to die. Now she was stable and fine, and, but you think of everything. You all of a sudden are like, what needs to happen? And, and you just are awakened out of this kind of slumber that we're just going to keep doing life the same way we've always done it. She's, she is going to be fine, but it was just a, a wake-up call. And so when we feel that tension, it's a call for us to look beyond what is happening presently and to long for what will happen eternally. And that is such a comfort, ladies. If, 
if she, if something would have happened to her, I know that her 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 eternal eternal life is secure in Christ, and so we don't have to dread that. We what we don't like is all the pain that comes with living in this life and our broken bodies. But God is still with us. He he tells us that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so with the hope of heaven, we can realize that even the best things we experience in this life are but a foretaste of what we'll experience one day in heaven. And you know, for, for those that don't know Christ, this is the best it's going to be. It is. And sometimes we can get out of whack and we can place too much significance on the good things in life. We can make too much of that, and, we can, and then we can therefore be devastated by the hard things of life. We have to hold it all in balance and give it to the Lord and say, this is temporary, Lord. I know that we have something better. You have something better for us that is planned, me, me, that, me and those of us who know the, know the Lord. And so if we place too much importance on things, the good things are too important, and the bad things are devastate us. Secondly, we need to have an eternal perspective by realizing our citizenship is in heaven. I've alluded to this, but turn with me to Philippians 3.18, because these verses say it the best. Philippians 3.18. And it says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject, subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. So we are citizens in heaven residing on earth. We are dual citizens, if you want to think of it that way. We have a long-term citizenship in heaven, but we have this earthly assignment. And so what are we supposed to do with that? In Acts, I love what it says. I'll just read this for you. In Acts 17, this helps me to understand that God has placed me and placed you in Houston, Texas in 2019 for his purposes. In Acts 17 and 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. In the NIV, that, that phrase, it, it is that he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So it's no mistake that you live right now in 2019, where you are, surrounded by the people that you know, for his glory. He has purposes. Again, for as long as we have life and breath on this earth, he has a plan for us. And that helps us to have a, an eternal perspective because we say, Lord, what is it that you want me to be about today? 
Thirdly, an eternal perspective helps us to see that our problems, while significant at times, are temporary. Our problems, while they seem really significant, are temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, I know that there are times when we feel like our troubles are neither light nor momentary. They feel really heavy, and they feel chronic and constant. But what he's saying is, we are but a vapor. This feels very long and very hard, but I'm promising something for you that I'm going to deliver for you, and it's going to outweigh all of this pain that you have gone through. And so when we understand that it's a temporary thing, we can fix our eyes on the Lord. Fourthly, having an eternal perspective calls us to live with purpose and intention. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. I think that it, this, this can turn into a prayer for each one of us. That, Lord, I only have a, a limited amount of time. Help me make it count. Lord, do not let me waste my life. And we can waste our lives on things that don't matter. It is, it is easy for any of us to place too much significance on earthly things. And so I think that the only thing we can do is back away and say, Lord, change my mind. Change my heart. Help me to see that you have a purpose for me that is so much bigger than these little things that I'm getting wrapped around the axle. What are the things that get you in a frenzy? Follow your frenzy and realize that we, when we get in a frenzy, that's not of God. And women, we are really good at getting in a frenzy, aren't we? If we can back away, if we can back away and say, Lord, what is this about? I don't want to be in a frenzy. This has nothing to do with your purpose and life for me right here. And so help me, Father, to have an eternal perspective. The last thing that an eternal perspective does is it gives us a burden for the lost. And I'm going to camp here for the remainder of our time. Because we do, have, we do need to have a burden for the lost. So this has everything to do with living with an eternal perspective outwardly because we can live with this e eternal perspective inwardly in the way that we see our lives and Lord look give me your perspective on this in the present but how do we have this outward vision have you ever heard the statement don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good have you ever heard that's kind of an old saying I don't even know what that means but I think I think what it means is that if we are so fixated on heaven that we're not thinking God has purposes for us here that we can live in fear and just kind of huddled up and just waiting for Jesus to come back I don't know anybody that lives that way but perhaps there are people that do and so the main thing is we're called to live out right it is great and fine that we are in Bible study this is exactly where we need to be but what is the purpose it is going to have no impact unless we apply it outwardly this is not just about you and you and God it's not it's about how do we apply it and live it, and how do we seek to influence those around us who don't know the Lord. C.S. Lewis said this as far as the being heavenly minded, not earthly good. He says, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. 
If you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. So I don't think that we are not that we are unable to be good. We're going to be to be doing the most earthly good if we can be thinking personally about what God has for us in eternally eternity, and then also what God has planned for those around us. We may be the one to share the truth with them, and we need to be be, be up to earthly good by seeking to point others to Jesus, both believers and unbelievers. That means coming alongside your believing friends and your Christians, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, as the Scripture calls us to, walking in the truth and calling other people to walk in the truth. We need that encouragement ourselves. But we, if we are, we're going to share this truth with others, we really have to have a plan and live with intention. People don't know the gospel without being told the gospel. Now that seems really like a simple statement, but think about it for a minute. We have to share the truth with others. And sometimes we get so frozen up because we don't know how to do it, or I'm not going to say it right. They are going to ask me five questions, and I'm not going to know the answer to any of them, and I'm going to look like a hypocrite or like I don't know anything, and I've been a Christian for a long time. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's the narrative that can play in our head sometimes. But as I was looking at verses about God's eternal nature in Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. That is what we're sharing with people. Have you not known? Oh, do you not know? Do you not know? Let me tell you. We need to tell, tell people, share with people that we care for them spiritually. We can care for our unbelieving friends with, in a lot of practical ways, and we can come alongside. But sometimes we feel like if we're going to just come alongside a friend that doesn't know the Lord and meet some of their personal needs, or if they go through some crisis, we're there with a, a meal. We're just hopeful that our acts of service, somehow some Jesus is going to sprinkle onto them, and they're going to come and start asking us questions about Jesus. Do you know what I mean? We, some, we, ha- we need to use words. How do we do that? How do we, how do we convey the truth? We tell them we care about their spiritual life. When is the last time any of us have had a conversation with somebody that doesn't know the Lord and say, what are you thinking about spiritually? Now, does that sound like a question that somebody would just be like scared of and run away? I think it really shows that you care about them. What are your thoughts about spiritual things? Just having that initial conversation, you may be shocked what they say. They may say, you know what, I was just thinking the other day. I don't have any answers, and I got really scared. Or my kids have been asking me, and I don't even know what to say. I used to go to church, but now I don't even know what I believe anymore. How about, let me, let me walk alongside you with that. This is something that gets me so excited, and this has kind of been what I've dedicated the last few years in ministry towards, is trying to equip us so that we have material and resources to enter into those kinds of relationships effectively. Because if we don't have a plan, then we are going to try the Jesus sprinkling model, which, hey, is fine. Hopefully that will ignite. Maybe they will come to you with questions one day. But what if they don't? We will have missed an opportunity, perhaps, to enter in. What is the worst thing that can happen if you enter into a conversation? Rejection? Maybe it would be for short term. But I don't think when you come alongside it in a winsome, caring, graceful way, telling people that you care about their spiritual lives is going to make them run away. 
It might be the best thing that ever happened to him. And in some cases, what has been happening, as I've been he hearing what women have been doing with intentionality, is like, they, I, this has been a repeated story. You will not believe this. I was just Googling how to, you know, what is Christianity about? You will not believe that just the other day I had a conversation with somebody. I don't know where to start. Ladies, you might be an answer to prayer. And so I want to embolden us. I want to mobilize us to move out into these scary places. And here's the thing. We are not in the business of saving souls. God is. And it makes me want to cry. Because sometimes we get so talked about wrapped around the axle, we think we got to go out and... I'm not calling you to go door to door and knock on doors and be awkward. <laughs> that is awkward. It is, it is more of this idea that our call is to simply share the truth. God does the saving. And so this, is, this week, when I said, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I, I clearly have a lot to say. But, but... This is so important for us to understand that we not only have to have an eternal perspective personally, we've got to get out, ladies. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what God is going to call, to do, call you to do. But if only we would come to him with open palms, open hands, and just say, Lord, use me. Help me to have scary conversations. Because there are people all around us that we need to say, have you not heard? Do you not know? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. I care about you spiritually. I care about you as my friend. We've been friends for 20 years. I don't know why we've never had this conversation. But I want to have it today. Totally went off script. Um, okay. You can tell. This is kind of lit a fire in me. Okay. So if you want to know more about how some, some resources in entering into these spaces, I would love to talk to you. And I'd love to connect you with some women who have been doing this in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, one-on-one -on -one with a friend, and how God is flinging open the doors. And it has been an amazing thing because they're doing it scared. They are sending the email scared. They're sending the text scared. Do you want to start a Bible study with me? Oh, it's good. And guess what? They're getting answers. And so I would love to talk to you, to, you, to you more about that. So God is eternal. And he has purposes for us today. He has, he has got great plans for us while we're here. Yes, it's going to involve struggle. Yes, it's going to involve pain. But we get to look forward to this eternity with him where there's no more sorrow, no more tears. Everything is made new. And so... This isn't all there is. And so we are called in to have this eternal perspective personally and then also outwardly. And so as I close in prayer, I just want you to be asking the Lord what he has for you today and moving out to share the Lord with others. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much that you are eternal. And while we don't understand all of that at all, because we're so limited and finite, um, but you want us to know this about you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to personalize it in the way that we think about our day-to-day -day and how we can get so bogged down and so frenzied and fixated and, um, and easily offended and all the things that just 
really reveal our humanity and our sin, sinfulness. Lord, we are so desperate for you. And so, Lord, as we look more at who you are, would it serve to propel us, move us out, mobilize us so that we can't even keep it inside? We cannot help but just share with other people what you have done in our lives. There are so many around us that need that need to know it. And so, Lord, would you just give us courage even this week to think of that one person who we've known perhaps even for a long time who needs to know you. Help us to not be afraid, Lord. You're in the job of saving people. We, our job is to share the truth. Help us to do that, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about our resources, please visit 101christianity.com. And for more encouragement, you can follow along on Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. Let's press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.